Tonight we're starting a series, and and um, and I, I'm I'm there's, there's a lot I could teach along this. I've been been on this for a while, and f- coming from several different directions concerning this. But um, I'm just titling it, at least for tonight, "True Prosperity." True prosperity. Before I start on that, I want to want to read. Yesterday was yesterday was Patriot Day, not Patriots Day, which is another day. Yesterday was Patriot Day, November or uh, September the eleventh, in honor of in remembrance of what happened in two thousand and one on. September the 11th, when the towers were attacked in different places in the United States, Philadelphia, and, and uh, in Washington, D.C., we were attacked in, in a number of different ways. And uh, the president made a proclamation yesterday, and, and I want to read it in honor of, of Patriot Day. He said this, on Patriot Day, we honor the memories of nearly 3,000 precious lives we lost on September 11, 2001, and of every hero who has given their life since that day to protect our safety and our freedom. We come together today to recall this timeless truth when America is united, no force on earth can break us apart. Our values endure, our people thrive, our nation prevails, and the memory of our loved ones never fades. Although the faithful Tuesday 17 years ago began like any other, it erupted into horror and anguish when radical Islamic terrorists carried out an unprecedented attack on our homeland. In New York, Virginia, and Pennsylvania, the enemies of liberty took aim on America, but their evil evil acts could not crush our spirit, overcome our will, or loosen our commitment to freedom. Through the dust and ashes, we emerged resilient and united, Bruised but not broken. September 11th, 2001, the world came to understand the true source of America's strength, the people of, of an indomitable will and a society rooted in timeless values of liberty. Our love of country was made manifest through the examples of Americans engaging in countless acts of courage, grit, and selflessness. Their actions gave us hope and helped to sustain us in the days of healing that, forward, that followed. We were moved by the heroism of the passengers and crew aboard United Flight 93 who sacrificed their lives to prevent further acts of terror. We were inspired by police and first responders as they rushed headlong into burning buildings to rescue the injured and trapped, and as they courageously braved fire, smoke, and debris, descending deep into piles of rubble, ash, and twisted iron to search for survivors. We were stirred to service by the deeds of those who labored in the ensuing days and months, often in dangerous conditions to help our nation rebuild and recover. The noble sacrifices of these true patriots are forged into the great history of America. Today we honor the memories of the souls we lost on September 11, 2001, and pay tribute to all of the patriots who have sacrificed their lives in defense of freedom. We pray for the soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, Coast Guardmen currently serving our nations in harm's way. We thank the dedicated men and women who keep our homeland safe and secure. We applaud the ensuing patriots in city halls, community centers, places of worship across our country, whose simple acts of kindness define the greatness of this great country. By a joint resolution approved December 18, 2001, Congress has designated September 11th of each year as Patriot Day. Now, therefore, I, Donald J. Trump, President of the United States of America, do hereby proclaim September 11th, 2018 as Patriot Day. I call upon all departments, and he goes through, and this, was, this is what he said to do yesterday, and there was a mo- moment of silence at 8.46 a.m. I'm sorry, I didn't know that until today. Um, Eastern, Eastern time yesterday. And he ended it with, I love the way this wording is, myself, in witness thereof, uh, I have hereunto set my hand this 10th day of September in the year of our Lord 2018 of the independence of the United States of America, the 243rd year. 
of our independence, independence that started 1776. Amen? So I thought that was, that was worded very well, and, uh, and we're grateful and we don't forget those who suffered loss and the people that went through what they went through in that day. Amen? So we're, we're very grateful and thankful to God. And you know, before I get into my message tonight, I just have a little meddling to do. Um, <clears throat> you know, we live, we, live in a, we live in a nation that started overseas and people came here to, they, they originally came here, most of the people came here originally for religious freedom, to be able to worship God the way they wanted to. That's the reason that they originally came. And over time, what they left followed them here to try to continue to control and tried to control us here in this nation the same exact way. And uh, all along the way, there's been all types of undercurrent and control and bondage and slavery and all kinds of crazy things against humanity in this nation but this nation has continued to be resilient like the word that uh, president trump used here we're a resilient nation but a nation can't be resilient if their people aren't because the nation is the people right and uh, we live in a society, you know, in a, in, a, in a world in this nation um, where something can happen and my perspective is one way, the next person's perspective is another and another and another and another and another. And uh, what people don't realize is the, the way that we can get along in this nation, I mean, you can look around and think we're not getting along, you know, think we're not making it, things aren't really turning and, and, and happening, but they are because the foundation of this nation is God. Yeah. See, what people underestimate when they try to control and overtake people, what they underestimate is the God that's in them. They underestimate the God and the anointing of God in our lives. And I just really encourage you to spend more time in the Word of God and gaining strength and wisdom and understanding from the Word of God more than you do the news. Because the news media will deceive you. I don't care who they are. I'm not, you know... I mean, I, you know, everybody has a personal preference of what news they like to watch or whatever, you know. For the most part, I, I, I read the headlines. If I see something in the headlines that's interesting, then I'll read it. Otherwise, I keep my focus on the Word of God. Amen. Amen? You need to know things that are going on. I'm not saying stick your head in the sand and act like we don't live here, you know. I didn't say that. But you can really be deceived and begin to take up actions and acts against certain things um, that are actually the offenses of other people. And God doesn't want that in our lives. God wants us to be people that truly understand His love and the love of God and to operate in the love of God and to understand how far-reaching that God's love is for humanity. Just remember this. The next time you put your mouth on a human being that was created in the image of God, just remember this. The blood of Jesus died for that person. I don't care what the color of their skin is. I don't care what their nationality is. You know, I don't, I don't care if they're in the, in the, from the Middle East and, you know, part of a terrorist group. I don't care what it is. There is a way to work through the issues that we have with humanity to get to the love of God and watch people's lives be liberated and free. Let me just ask you a question. Just everybody lift their hand if you, if, you, if you would be excited about this. Just lift your hand if you'd be excited about what I'm fixing to tell you. All right, the question I'm going to ask you. How many would be excited 
if you met someone of a different religion, I'm not talking about denomination, I'm talking about a different religion, like you met a person that's a Muslim or some other, some other form of religion. And over time, in your relationship with that person, that person came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Would that excite you? Then listen, we got a whole world full of people. Whole world. There's six, over six billion people on the planet. Am I right about there? Is that, am I wrong? Am I right or am I right? No. Um, it's over six billion people. And less, I think what I read was less than two and a half, let's see, no, less than two billion of those six billion right around 2 billion or a little bit less than, the, uh, than 2 billion are professed Christians. I thought it was more than that. But one of the last stats that I've seen is that as, as the population has increased, Christianity has not increased with the population. Is, is, well, I mean, it, Christianity is increasing. Christianity is increasing. I mean steadily increasing but the population is increasing that much more somewhere around two maybe a little less than two billion people so somewhere in the neighborhood of three and a half to four billion people are not born again now maybe you've seen some stats different than that that was kind of shocking i looked in about three different places but i found that out so we've got a lot of work to do so just be open to the person next door person you come in contact with don't be so much about yourself and so much about issues and public issues and we got to work at this I mean pray and believe God and be in faith and take a stand where you need to take a stand but don't walk outside of the love of God because all it will produce is a trap from the enemy to destroy your life can you say amen to that the enemy wants your life do everything we need to do. Follow the, the leading of the things of God. Now, I'm telling you, there's been deceptive people operating in this country from day one. You say, yeah, but there's all this deception and people working behind the scenes. Yeah, but they, anybody that thinks they're getting away with anything, they underestimate the anointing of my God. Can you say amen? And I tell you what, our God wins. We win no matter what it looks like today. We win. Glory to God. At the end of this whole thing, we win. Amen? We win. And actually, if we win at the end, then we win right now. And the more we stay connected to Him that is the winner, then we'll win day to day also. Because when you frame your world with God's Word and not CNN or Fox News, you frame your world with the Word of God, then you'll live in the same victory day to day that God has intended us to live and operate in from day one. That's where He wants us to live, is in, the, is in that place of victory. Amen? So tonight, we're talking about true prosperity. <clears throat> Just used up a bunch of my time. I'm going to start with a story in the book of Genesis, 22nd chapter, and the first verse. It's a great story. Um, so for 25 solid years, Abraham struggled in his faith to come to a place of really believing God. I mean, along the way, he was getting it. He was getting it. At about 75 years old, God said, I've called you the father of nations. He had no children. His wife was barren and there was no hope. Through the years, he, you know, created a son and that's all the issues and problems we have in the Middle East between Christians and Muslims is because of Abraham's, uh, his, his effort of trying to help God out. Yeah. We've been having problems ever since. But along the way, he made some changes. 
He got rid of the lying spirit from his life. He got rid of the attitude that I need to help God out. And when you're helping God out, you're not trusting God. Right? And so he gets past those years and his wife conceives. They have Isaac. They had other children after that also. But they had Isaac and... uh, Then Isaac begins to grow, and one day he's challenged with something new. He's challenged with some new thing in his life, and it begins here in Genesis 22. Now, it came to pass after these things, and Isaac's born, and he's a young man, he's a a child. It came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham... And he said, here I am. And he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. So, verse 2a, (laughs) there isn't one. Abraham didn't go, yeah, but what do I do about this? And what do I do about that? No, he quickly loaded up, loaded up his son, his servants, his donkeys, and they headed out. Everybody say quickly. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and he rose, and he went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we, we, we will come back to you. He said, Isaac and I are going to go the rest of the journey. You guys wait for us and we will come back. So, offering your son, your only son, Abraham had a belief that what God had given him, he wasn't going to take away. So, whatever had to happen with this sacrifice, if God had to raise him from the dead, he's coming back with his son. I'm going to say it again, he is coming back with his son. We will return. He's learned some things over the last probably 35 years. He's learned some things. Over the last 40 years and especially the last 29 years since we've lived in this town, I've learned some things. I've learned some things along the way to apply those things in my life today reapplying things that I had applied before with a different belief system. Because Abraham applied some things along the way, but they were of his mindset, his ideas. When he exhausted all of his efforts, then he got to the place where he realized when he gets a command to do something, he doesn't wait three weeks. The next morning, he's gone. The next morning, him and the boy are headed to the hill. I mean, quick to respond because he's realized some things about how real God is. We're talking about true prosperity tonight. So Abraham, verse 6, He took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. He had Isaac carrying the wood that was supposedly going to burn him. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? 
Because where they were going, there was nothing up there. There was nothing. There was no vegetation. There was nothing on the top of this hill. There's no animals roaming around because animals are smart enough to realize if I'm going to find something to eat, it isn't going to be up here. Where did I leave off? Ah, verse 8. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide. God will provide. I, 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 want, us to, I want us to say that together, all of us in the house. I want us to say it three times in a row together. And what we're going to say is God will provide. We're going to say it together. You ready? Go. God will provide. God will provide. God will provide. That's what over the past 35 years Abraham learned. God will provide. So I'm going to read the rest of this story at least to the, about the 13th or 14th verse. <clears throat> he said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his only son. This is the son that took 25 years to see his wife conceive when she was barren, but she became impregnated at the age of 90. And that 90 would be the same type of a womb being impregnated at 90 today. Same type of 90. At 90 years old, impossibility. And, and, and Abraham, we see in these few verses how quick he was to respond to the God that was his provider. The God that he trusted in. The God that he knew would not lead him astray. The God that he knew if he had to, if he had to take his son, he, God would raise him up. Because what God had promised to him, God would not take away. God is not the God that takes things away. He's the giver of life. Everybody say the giver. He's not the taker. He's the God of what true prosperity is because to prosper is to advance. To be provided for by God is to have everything provided that He knows you need to accomplish the tasks that He's put before us. That's what true prosperity is and that's what Abraham learned in his 35 years and now he's at this point and he's got the knife in his hand. But all of a sudden the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abram, Abram, so he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. So the angel of the Lord is speaking from the Father and speaking to him, to Abraham. And, you know, you kind of see the angel like hurrying up saying what he's saying because it looked like for sure, Abraham was going to do the job. Oh, hey, don't, don't. Hold off. Back off. This is what the will of the Father is. Then Abraham lifted his eyes, and he looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went, took the ram, offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will Provide. 
Jehovah Jireh, my provider. The Lord will provide. Say it. Okay, so tonight, I'm going to read a couple of other scriptures tonight to enforce this, kind of laying a foundation for what we're going to share in the, in the weeks ahead. I'm saying this to you, that in that place, in that situation with Isaac and Abraham, Abraham named that place or that event as... God will provide. You and I have stated tonight at least five or six times that God will provide. Now I'm going to say it like this, and you can say it after me if you believe this. God will provide for me. For me. It's one thing to know that God will provide, but it's another thing to know that God will provide for you. Abraham declared that day, this place, this event, God will provide because God provided for me. In the last 40 years of my born-again life, last 29 years of pastoring in this city, I've learned some things. I've had to get rid of some things. I've had to get delivered of some things. I've had to get set free of some things in my mind, as Abraham did. As every person in the Bible that started at one place and went to another place and had a journey that they were on to get and accomplish the things that God wanted them to accomplish, there's some things that had to be changed. Your, your, Your soul, your mind, will, and emotions has to be changed. Your thinking has to be changed. You have to go from thinking like you thought from the past. Like I said, we live in a nation where you hear something said, my background hears it one way, someone else's background hears it a different way. How can we accomplish what needs to be accomplished in this nation if all we do is look to the nation as the Savior, then we won't make it. But if we look at this nation being connected to our Savior, my Savior, then we can make it. Huge difference. Thank God for the freedoms and all those who are fighting for the freedoms and standing and and working for the freedoms of this nation. But without the real freedom that comes from the blood of Jesus and what He accomplished, there is no freedom. It will be taken away. Every nation in the history of this planet over the last 6,000 plus years, every nation that ever rose to any prominence has fallen. Every nation. And I declare that this nation will not fall to the control of the enemy, the devil. The enemy is not some other religion. The enemy is the devil. And you get the devil off of people, and they'll love the God that created them. My God created every human being that's ever breathed a breath, and that ever will breathe a breath. My God did. I don't have to argue with other people and fight with other people over whether that's true or not. It doesn't matter. But you get the devil off of people and get get him out of their thinking, and they'll love the God that created them. And you get right down to it, that's what needs to happen. But you'll never force somebody out there to believe in our God. And you'll never, in our lives, we'll never force any belief about anything, about prosperity, about healing. I don't care what it is. We'll never force any of those different objectives on anybody, not our own lives or anybody else's life. You have to to see it for yourself. What I see about prosperity today, what I'm sharing with you regarding this, is one thing, and, and, and you have to have a revelation of prosperity, but you have to have a revelation of healing. Just because you have a revelation of healing doesn't mean you have a revelation of prosperity or vice versa. Also, you have to have a revelation of deliverance to be being set free mentally and emotionally in every area of your life. To, to, to realize that, that the that the 
presence of the enemy, the, the, the manifest presence of the enemy has no right to remain in your life. Because he's working overtime to manifest in everything that goes on in your family, in your life, in this church, in this city, in this state, the nation, I, I, I mean everywhere. People are bickering and fighting over some of the craziest things. And you can get wrapped up in that or you can stay wrapped up in the word and the person of the Holy Spirit, what we've been talking about on Sundays, we did on Wednesdays for a while about hearing the voice of God, you can stay wrapped up in that. And I promise you, you'll remain free so that other people that are wrapped up in all that other information can come to you and get set free. That's what God needs. Hmm? Like the military's looking for you. Remember the old saying, you know? Uncle Sam, that's what it was. Uncle Sam wants you? <laughs> well, Uncle Abraham wants you. Hmm? Brother Jesus wants you. Father God wants you. He wants us. He needs us in the earth. He wants us to stay connected to Him and believe in Him and believe that we can hear Him and know Him and know that His ways are better than anything that we can build or, or, or make up or try to create or whatever. He's better. And He wants you and I to believe it and we need to believe it. And He needs us to believe it. Can you say amen? So, I'm going to leave you tonight with two things that kind of go together with God being our provider. And I, I, I'm really hoping that you catch this tonight because it will help you. If you'll hear what I'm saying and really catch this, it will help you. It's really helped me. It's helped me in my, in, in, in my journey of believing that God is my provider. Not looking at my natural circumstances or conditions, but looking at God as my provider. And what's happened is it's changed my circumstances. Through the years at different times, it's changed my circumstances. But <clears throat> I want to read... I want to read um, Psalm 65... I want to read this verse because I like two of the words that are in it. Psalm 65 and verse 9. This is, this is a passage of scripture that's saying what God does. You visit the earth and water it you greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide your grain, for so you have prepared it. Now, you say, what does that have to do with prosperity? Well, the provision that this verse of Scripture is talking about is the earth and the vegetation and the produce and the grain that would come from that. Well, in our lives today, <clears throat> God has already provided for us because He's already prepared the way for us. It says here, He already prepared it to work that way. If you'll plant a seed in the ground and you'll water it and you'll cultivate it, what will happen? It'll produce. He's already prepared the way for that. How many believe in that process? What's that called? Seed time and harvest time. Right? But there's cultivating time. <clears throat> and with everything that will produce, the preparation has already been done to make sure that it will. So look at another verse that passage that we've been reading on Sundays out of Psalm 23. <clears throat> but I just want to look at the fifth verse. 
For you prepare, talking about what God has prepared for us, he said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup is half full. So see, see, our cup is half full, so we don't know whether we're going to get half full or, you know, or, or that half full is not going to be enough or it could be enough or maybe it won't be enough. Or, we, don't have to con- we don't have to consider that. Our cup runneth over and that's already been prepared for us. Right? He's already prepared a table. What, 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 what type of a table has already been prepared for you in the presence of your enemy? Just think about what your enemy wants to do to you. What does the enemy want to do to you? He wants to take you out, right? He wants to keep things from manifesting and happening. God's already prepared a table of provision for anything and everything that you need to do and accomplish in life. But you have to know that he's your provider today, no matter what it looks like. What did Abraham do when after a few weeks or months after God had called him the father of nations and he hadn't and a son hadn't manifested what happened? He listened to his wife. His wife told him to do something he shouldn't do and and he did and I think he actually got excited about going and you know sleeping with their maid or something. I, I mean it looked like that as you read the scripture and he thought something really great was going to happen out of this and all of a sudden what we see in over the last 4,000, 5,000 years we've seen total destruction and, and wars and, and deaths because of what he decided to do. And why did he do that? Because it hadn't been proven to him, it hadn't been manifested in his life that God was his provider. And if God said, I've made you the father of many nations, then you just wait and you develop and you stand strong and you watch and you will become that father. Did he become that father? Absolutely he did. Did God, did God do what he said he would do in spite of his mistakes? Absolutely. So, Today I can say after 29 years, in spite of my mistakes, God is my provider. In spite of things that I tried to do and tried to make something happen or I I tried too hard, you know, wanting to do what's right, but I mean, I promise you, Abraham wanted to do and make things happen and he wanted to help God out. He, He had good intentions in what he's doing, but good intentions won't produce the will of God. Just good intentions. After 29 years, I can say today that God is my provider, and I don't have to try to convince you or anybody else of that. I know that inside of me. See, see, when someone tries to come and tell me that, that it doesn't work, no, 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 you're too late. He's already proved himself to me. He's already showed me, and, and, and what he said was, he said, he, he showed me, I did all the preparation ahead of time, and all you've had to do is learn how to tap into what I've already prepared for you. And if you'll back off, as he showed me along the way, if you'll back off and get your hands off of it and let me do it, I'll lead you the way I want you to go, and it'll produce what I already had set up. See, I'm not looking for prosperity. I'm tapping into it because it's already there. He's already provided it. You and I aren't looking for healing. We're we're learning how to tap into and be on the receiving end of what the blood of Jesus already accomplished for us. It's not something we're looking for. It's already there. He's already provided it. Can you say amen tonight? God is my provider. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He's already prepared it. 
So that's why you can love your enemies. So you don't have to go after your enemies and try to kill your enemies. You can love your enemies. That's why you can love your enemy because he's already prepared a table of provision and a way out of situations, but he wants your enemy to get saved, healed, and delivered and set free also. And a lot of times he needs me to love my enemy and to do what's right in the situation because his blood died for them. His blood was shed for them also. Yeah. I'll say it again. His blood was shed for them also. And we can't ever forget that. Ever. In dealing with people. So look at John 14. And I'm going to end with this tonight. John 14 and verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. What does that mean? Don't worry, don't don't fret, don't, don't anything. Amen? Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Everybody say prepare. I went through the scriptures and just thinking of every time that God said and talked about the preparations that he's made. He didn't say, in my father's house are many shacks. Or efficiency apartments. In my father's house are many mansions. And he goes to prepare a place for us so whenever we meet him there can you see the angels walk up and say when you meet him there face to face can you hear the angels say man we don't have room for this guy we need to roll a bedroll out and you know put him down for the night because we we, we, we we don't have enough room for them no you ever heard stories of people that have gone to heaven? Anybody ever heard stories of people that have gone to heaven? You ever heard accounts of things? I've heard some people talk about heaven and going to heaven and, and what they saw there. And I've heard stories about people that went to heaven and, and they talked about certain ones I'm not sure about. I mean, I'm not, saying, I'm not questioning whether they got it or not. There's just some things that I hear that I don't see line up with the word. But then I hear people talk about going to heaven and, and uh, and one guy that went that I heard, I, I, was, I heard, I was at the Believer's Convention and somebody was telling this story. And uh, there, actually, yeah, it wasn't, I wasn't listening to the guy. Someone else was telling the story about a guy that had gone to heaven. And he said that this guy, when he went to heaven, he saw Jesus. And he said Jesus led him to this place and he looked out and he said it, 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 it wasn't just a, it wasn't just a, a house with columns or something like that. It was an area. And he said, Jesus told him, this is your area. But it's not time for you. Something had happened. He'd been in a car wreck or something like that. And he had gone to heaven and like he was, like he was headed that way. But he said, it's not time for you. 
And there were people praying and declaring over him. And, the, and the, the prayers of those people brought this guy back. But he said, this whole area right here is yours. Now, whether you like to hear things like that or not, that's not really my point. My point is, he's already prepared for you for when you leave here. Has, would he not prepare for us while we're here? I'm saying he's already prepared everything forever and ever and ever. God is my provider. That's it. Nothing anybody else can say, do, or anything. You, you, you know, you came about 15 years too late. You probably could have worked on me really hard 15 years ago and maybe convinced me of some things, but it's over with now. God is my provider. True prosperity is being connected to what he's already prepared for you and he has ready for you. Amen. That's true prosperity. Think about that story about the guy in heaven. This area, it was, he, he came to the top of this hill and he looked down in. I know what the guy said. I remember now. The guy said, as I looked out, it was everything that I liked. It was everything about a piece of land that I liked. He said, this whole area is yours. Could, could it really be like that? Some people think, oh, you know, it's just some guy with some dream or he had some, you know, stories telling and he's probably lying and not telling the truth or whatever. Ah. And because, see, God, see, see, what God's looking is that we delight ourselves in Him. His desires become our desires. And then according to Psalm 37, He brings those desires to pass. You, you realize that heaven, that earth, is a replica of heaven. How many know that? Earth is a replica of heaven. So... <clears throat> In the story I heard this guy telling of the guy that had gone to heaven, he said when he was there, he saw, he saw grass and flowers like it was on earth, but then he said he saw grass and flowers like he'd never seen before. He said he, he would step in grass that he didn't even, he felt like he didn't want to step on or in. And when he'd moved to the next time, you couldn't even see the footprint. It was like it, it had already gone back. And he said, I saw trees and hills and like it was in earth. But then he said, I saw trees and hills that were like, I can't even explain. They were, they were like so much more. He's prepared a place for us over there. But what really matters is that you and I believe he prepared a place for us right here. God is my provider. He is. He brings it to pass. He causes everything to happen the way he already set it up. How many remember when we taught about the fact that God had a plan for you before the foundation of the world? I don't know how that could happen, but the same God that had a plan for me before the foundation of the world had a plan that I would prosper and that I would believe that he's my provider. He had a plan for you and I to believe that he is our provider, he's our healer, he's our deliverer, he's our peace, he's our joy, he's our everything. He had a plan before the foundation of the world that we would tap into what he already prepared for us. Listen, joy doesn't come when you find it. Joy was already there. Provision doesn't come when you, you finally tap into it and you think it's all about what you did. Provision was already there. When you find it, it's because you found what he had for you already. He already prepared it. He prepares a place for us in the presence of our enemy. He's prepared a place for us over there. 
And here's a verse of scripture that I'm ending with tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. And it says this. Do you have that? Is that right? That's right. I was right. <clears throat> For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich where he was, yet for your sakes he became poor that you through his poverty might become rich. One translation says in all things. So see, he's already prepared you rich. I say, God is my provider. I say, I'm rich. How about you? Yeah. I mean, tonight, and what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, a lot of what true prosperity is, is not what we think rich is. It's where, it's where rich starts and then increases. Most people think that rich starts with whatever your ceiling would be. A billion dollars. A million, it used to be a million dollars, now it's a billion dollars. Then it's, you know, then it's going to be a trillion and whatever. Most people think that's, what, that's where rich is. That has absolutely very little to do with rich. Rich starts from within. It's an internal thing. It's an internal connection and a reality that God made you that way and then you produce. Because your mind changes, your thinking changes, your attitude changes. You begin to understand how important it is to walk in the love of God. That's the key to your success and your prosperity and you believing that God is your provider and really believing it. That's what we're going to talk about in the next few weeks. How vital that that revelation is in our lives.